Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Journey Through the Bible. We are currently working our way through the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, through the end of the chapter. Just like the verse that is stated in the intro of this podcast, I firmly believe that God's word is powerful. It goes forth and it accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it forth. And that's a big heart behind the reason I do this podcast as I seek to study and then teach the Word of God, and as we all seek to understand the Word of God, He does a work in our lives. He changes us. He molds us. He forms us into His image. And that really is the reason for existence. That is our heart behind our existence, right? We want to have our lives be formed to be like Christ. I want to remind you of our website that we just launched just a couple weeks ago. It's under the heading of revival-america.com. Not only is this a home for a journey through the Bible, but it's also a home for a ministry uh, that I am launching that is really centered around seeking God's heart for a revival in our country. Revival is something that happens when the people of God seek His face and He graciously pours out his life-giving grace, and awakens us to our purpose, which is to serve Him, to love God, and to love others. As always, I encourage you to listen to this with an open Bible. Uh, if that is something that you're able, if you're in a stationary position, place where you're able to, to pull out your Bible, that is great. If not, I'm going to be reading uh, reading it as well. Um, if you're in the car, obviously that's not something you, you, want, you want to do. Um, also, if this podcast is something that you enjoy, is something that, that you learn from, I encourage you to share it on your social media channels. Uh, talk about it with your friends. Uh, again, because as people hear the Word of God and as they understand the Word of God, God's purpose is completed and accomplished. And that is my desire. That is my heart. And without further ado, here we go. We are in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 21, the end of, end of the chapter. So far through the first uh, two and a half chapters of Ephesians, we've seen this really this theological dissertation really uh, from Paul about the power of Jesus. We saw Ephesians chapter one beginning with this ode of praise for the salvation of God. Paul just exudes praise through those first 14, 15 verses about the salvation of God and how about, about how great that salvation is. We then see Paul move into a prayer that we, the reader of Ephesians, would experience this salvation firsthand. We can see that he has had this experience and thus resulting in the praise of the first chapter, uh, first half of chapter 1. And then the last half of chapter 1 is Paul praying that we, the reader, would experience the salvation that he has experienced firsthand. 
We then see Paul moving into kind of this argument or uh, this declaration that Jesus has the power to do exactly what he is describing. All this, this saving and the salvation, this changing of nature that Paul is describing. Paul says, hey, Jesus is the only one who has the power to accomplish this. And then we see uh, in chapter 2 this beautiful description of the outworking of this power that Jesus holds. We see this power working in our lives through Jesus bringing life to dead things, the first half of chapter 2. And then the last half of chapter 2, we see Jesus bringing peace to divided things. So Jesus' power works in us by bringing life to dead things and bringing peace to divided things. This episode, we're going to focus on verse 8 through 21, that last half of chapter 3. So let me read it to you. Paul says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here we we see a couple assertions from Paul that we'll talk about, and then we see another prayer that Paul brings forth on our behalf. And so we're going to go through that this episode. Verse 8, Paul really kind of continues what he did the first half of chapter 3, and that is assert his authority or assert his calling that God has given him to express this power of Jesus to the Gentiles. Right, verse 8, he says, To me, though I am the very least of all saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This assertion we see in verse 8 of Paul is, is not from a place of pride. It's not coming from a place of where Paul's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm, I am the guy. God has chosen me, and you better listen to me. But no, this is rather further proof of the power of Jesus because Paul is making nothing of himself in this assertion. Paul has made nothing of himself in direct contrast to his life before Christ. You see, before Christ, Paul was brought up as a somebody. He studied studied under Gamaliel, a prominent Pharisee and religious leader. Elsewhere in the New Testament, he's self-described as extremely zealous. And yet here in verse 8, we see himself making nothing of himself. And this humility that we see from Paul was nothing short of a great working of the power of Jesus. Paul, who was raised as a somebody, realized that without Christ, none of it matters says to me, though I'm the very least of all saints, this grace was given. What is grace? It's something undeserved. Paul 
is saying, hey, I don't deserve this, but God has given me this grace, this ability to preach Christ to the Gentiles. That, that word preach literally means joyfully proclaim, and he's joyfully proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ. One commentator described this phrase, unsearchable riches, as a mine inexhaustible whose riches can never be fully explored. The Greek word for unsearchable, uh, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to butcher it if I try, uh, but the Greek word for unsearchable is only used here in this verse and in Romans 11.33. It quite literally means not capable of being traced by footprints. Romans 11.33 says this, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable, there's that word, are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. This is why eternity is going to be so incredible uh, for us who believe. Because for eternity, we are going to be experiencing new revelations of God. God is going to be for eternity showing more of himself. And we get to proclaim, Paul says, I get to joyfully proclaim these unsearchable riches of Christ. And these unsearchable riches of Christ are exactly what we're going to experience in eternity. In verse 9, he he says, to bring to light, I, right, I'm preaching to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This bring to light, I, I, I like this kind of correlation between verse 9 here and back to chapter 1, verse 18. If you remember, Paul prayed there that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. And Paul's saying here, I want to bring to light what is the plan of the mystery of God. This plan had been hidden from the world and from the powers. Not only just from, not only the natural world, not only human eyes, but this plan of God had been hidden from those, the spirit powers in 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 the air we'll talk about that in in depth once we get to chapter six all right but bits and pieces of it had been revealed throughout history we can look at the old testament and we see christ in the old testament revealed in bits and pieces but christ came and because jesus has come this plan of god has been proclaimed fully and paul is joyfully declaring his place and proclaiming this plan and for us we also get this beautiful opportunity to participate in joyfully proclaiming this plan of salvation right paul is telling us hey he wants us to turn the lights on right i want us to i want to bring to light the mystery i want to turn the lights on for everyone all, all those who are in darkness i want them to see the light that is the salvation of god ESV uh, says it this way. It says, you know, the plan of the mystery. The New King James talks about the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, the New American Standard talks about the administration of, of the mystery. And all of this is talking about this mystery, which was and is the plan of salvation. That Jesus himself, that the, the Son of God, would become incarnate, would live on the earth, would die a, a perfect man, a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God and to bring us to salvation, right? This mystery is the fact that both and all that salvation is that Gentiles and Jews would be one in the new covenant, right? Many Old Testament prophets spoke about Gentiles being brought into the fold, but the thought was it would be in some sort of subordinate role. 
But we already talked about last time, right? How Jesus brings peace to divided things. How Gentiles and Jewish people are one at the cross of Christ. This this mystery is administered in and through the church. And that's what he talks about in verse 10. He says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Right, talks about this mystery being made known or being administered through the church and the manifold wisdom of God made known to the rulers in the heavenly places. This word for, for man, manifold in Greek refers to the beauty of an embroidered pattern or the variety of colors in a field of flowers. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the wisdom of God. And this this manifold wisdom, again, it's referring to the Jew and the Gentile being grafted together into one body. And this power of the gospel that we see is on display through the church. Right? The church is God's plan in the world. The church is God's plan to reveal himself to the world. He reveals himself to the world through his church. The church is the theater which not only do other people, not only do, does the world look and see, but angels themselves watch the unfolding of God's purpose. The church is the theater. It is the stage in which God fulfills his purpose on the earth, all the while all the people on the earth and all the angels and all the powers are watching the power of God work through this life-changing gospel. And it's pieces like these that remind us of the minuteness of this world. The brevity of this temporal existence, the the triviality of the daily in light of the eternal. You see, the power of God working in us and through us is something at which the angels and demons look upon in wonder. This plan is made known through the church. We in America, we've magnified the individual at times to the exclusion of the corporate body. But Ephesians is telling us, and we're going to get into it more in the latter half of Ephesians, but God is telling us through his word that there is so much power together. His plan for the ages happens in the church. It happens in a corporate body. Verse 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This was always plan A. Right? This the 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 way that he revealed his plan in bits and pieces throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus came and revealed his plan fully. And so now since Christ, we have been declaring this plan that was revealed in Christ. All of this was plan A. None, none of this was a backup plan. It was, all, it was all plan A. In Christ, we have boldness. That boldness, that word literally means the freedom of speech. <laughs> we have this freedom of speech and confident access through faith to the Father. We have this access which speaks to the access to a throne room. It's, it's, it's very, very much a, a royal term in, in the Greek. We have this ability to approach the king of kings because of Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. And then Paul Paul moves on into verse 14 through 21, and he moves into this second prayer 
of Ephesians. If you remember, the first was in the latter half of chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And, and I want to, I quoted Warren Wiersbe there for the first prayer, and I want to quote him again, Warren Wiersbe again. He talks about the first prayer in chapter 1 being a prayer to know, and he talks about the prayer here in chapter, in chapter 3 is a prayer for us to be. He prays that we would be strengthened, prayer that we would be able to comprehend the love of God, and a prayer that we would be filled to all the fullness of God. So we're going to we're going to break that down a little bit through these uh, through these verses. It's a prayer that we would be strengthened, right? Verse 16 says this, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This word strengthened in the Greek literally means to be strong enough to overcome resistance. And this power comes through his spirit right if we remember right this power is held by jesus and it is effectuated in our life by the spirit and that's exactly what we see here we see paul praying that we would be strengthened in the power of the spirit that the spirit that that worked the power in jesus that the same power that jesus holds that power would be effectuated in our lives through the spirit Bob Utley, in his commentary, Paul Bound, Letters from Prison, he brings out this beautiful point of the Spirit's work, which is to reveal Jesus, to draw to Jesus, to baptize into Jesus, and to form Jesus in believers. And that, that is what Paul is praying for here. He's praying that we be strengthened in the inner man right, through the Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That, this, this prayer that we would be strengthened is so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. The, the word dwell literally means to be at home in. If we were to take inventory of our lives, of, of what our lives look like, of what we participate in, all, all this stuff, would, would Jesus feel at home in your life? Would, would Jesus feel comfortable in your heart? That, that's what Paul is praying. Paul is praying that for us that our inner man would be strengthened by the Spirit of God so that Christ may be at home in our hearts. May He may be comfortable in our hearts. And furthermore, Paul continues, he says, I want you to be able to comprehend the love of God. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge this this love of God that moved heaven and earth for you and me this love of God that 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 allowed or or compelled Jesus to step out of his throne in heaven to become a baby and to grow and live as man does and die at the hands of his creation that is the love of God and Paul is praying here I want you to know I want you to understand I want you to comprehend I want you to experience this love of God he says being rooted and grounded in love right he he uses two different images here this rooted is this really this imagery of a tree and we can see that in Psalms Psalm 1 right this this righteous man 
that the psalmist talks about in, in Psalm 1. He says, this righteous man, he's going to be like a tree who is planted by the water and he's not going to need anything. This, this idea of being rooted, it's very organic in nature. But then we also want to be grounded in love, Paul says, which is this imagery of a building. It's, it's very, very intentional, right? When you build something, you're very intentional. You don't just haphazardly put a structure together. You're, you're very intentional in every aspect. And so we have this organic rooted in love and we have this intentional grounded in love. You see, our experience with Jesus begins and is filled with love. Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary says it like this. It says, love, the first fruit of the spirit, flowing from Christ's love realized in the soul was to be the basis on which should rest their further comprehension of all the vastness of Christ's love, right? Love just encompasses all of our experience with God. It is because he loved us. Right? What does John three sixteen say? For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? And so Paul is telling us here, he wants us to understand, he wants us to comprehend, he wants us to experience firsthand this love of God. He wants us to understand the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, right? His breadth, the breadth of his love talks about his love for all. He doesn't love just a select group of people. He doesn't love just a, a, a select few. He loves all mankind. He died for all. Paul wants us to understand the length of God's love. That from before time began on to eternity, God loves us. He wants us to understand the depth of God's love. God's love goes so far and so deep that we can't even fathom the depth of his love. He wants us to understand the height of God's love. You see, God's love is beyond beyond the reach of any foe to deprive us of God's love is all-encompassing. It's all-surrounding. And Paul wants us to know this love. He wants us to be able to comprehend this love that God has for us. And, 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 and frankly, I, I find it funny how Paul writes this, right? He says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend. Uh, you, you would know the love that, verse 19, surpasses knowledge, right? This paradox to, to know that which passes knowledge implies that when he, when Paul says no, he does not mean that we can adequately know. All we know is that his love exceeds far our knowledge of it. And with even our fresh accessions of knowledge hereafter, his love will still exceed them. That was a quote again from the JFB commentary. Paul continues his prayer and prays that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And this phrase you know, we, we, we can't be filled with the whole fullness of a God, but we can be filled with Christ who has the fullness of the Godhead within him. Right? We, we can't experience the fullness of God here on earth. That would break us. But we can experience Christ and in Christ we experience the fullness of God. Right? This prayer is for us to experientially be filled. For that is when this love overflows and outflows of our life as we are filled with God as we allow Christ to fill us and to dwell in us and to be at home within us his love pours over into all of our relationships into every aspect of our life and then Paul ends with this beautiful beautiful uh, phrase in verse 20 and 21 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul again praises God for his marvelous work. Now this ends the first part of Ephesians. The description of the power of Christ and what this does morally and positionally in our lives, right? Let's just kind of run over that again, right? Jesus makes us alive. Jesus unites us. Jesus brings us into a life living out of love. So these first three chapters of Ephesians that we've spent time on, this is really the theological uh, foundation uh, for what Paul is saying in Ephesians. The next three chapters, and we're going to see that transition immediately in the first verse of chapter 4 next episode, but the the next three chapters move from this theological dissertation into this practical application, and so I can't wait to uh, dive into that. But for now, let's end this uh, in time and prayer and pray that God just, just burns this word into our hearts. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that your word is powerful, that it is alive, it, it is effectual. It works in our hearts and in our lives. So God, I pray that we would uh, grasp the word that you have for us today, Lord, that we would be able to, just as Paul prayed, we would be able to comprehend to the fullness of our ability what is the breadth and the length, the depth and the height of your love that you have for us. And as we allow you to fill our hearts, your love will outflow of our lives into our relationships and every aspect of our life. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.